You're listening to Random Fit with hosts Wendy Batts and Ken Miller, winner of a Gold Markham Award for Digital Media. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Random Fit. I am Wendy Batts here with my friend and co-host, Mr. Ken Miller. Ken, how are you today? I am awesome, Wendy. How are you today? Oh, it is a beautiful day here in Atlanta, so I am good. Yeah. Yes. Um, today's um, episode is going to be, I think, one that if you listen to last week, we had an interview with Dr. Jeff Godin, and he is an endurance runner and was talking about Spartan races and everything. And that kind of started to bring up the topic of, yeah. wow, if someone's running, you know, these ultra marathons or, you know, 100 mile runs, how can you keep from overtraining, which we appreciate the feedback, we appreciate the comments that we're getting. And so today we're going to talk about signs of overtraining to make sure that you're not going to be a victim of falling into something that could lead to injury or set you back if you have a specific goal in mind. So I'm excited about today. And and again, appreciate the feedback and comments, guys. Yeah, no, it's awesome. Um, And that that was a great that was a great interview with with Dr. Jeff Godin. But, uh, you know, and talking about running and races and in that case, it was obstacle course races through Spartan. You know, it, it just made me flash back to when I was running half marathons and you know i know you've run a marathon one day as as have i and it's it just brings up he's like oh man i don't think about the training and i think you know fondly about the actual marathon itself but it was the you know evaluating so you know after you do your post-mortem right you think about what could i have done better if i do this again um you know how do i get myself in a better position to finish this race in a faster time or at least feeling better but one of the things that I realized is that I definitely overtrained. I over I was so worried about being underprepared that I over I didn't say overprepared, but I overtrained definitely. And that's when, you know, looking up, you know, the aspects of overtraining. And I just realized, man, I really did not do myself any favors by getting, you know, the, the, the attitude of more is better is not the situation when it comes to training, especially when, it, you know, and again, the context I brought, brought up right now is just about running, right? But that definitely happens with your daily exercise routine. If you're one of those people that, that works out for two hours a day, maybe twice a day, um, five, six days a week, even, you know, overtraining just doesn't have to be about the road work. It's, it's anything you impose upon your body that, that prevents it from recovering the best that it can. Yeah. I mean, you know, when I did my, my first marathon, just for you guys that, that are runners, I was always searching for that runner's high, never got it, (laughs) never got it. Um, and I would run only on weekends. I thought, you know, how hard can it be? I had ran a half, you know, so 13.1 is a half, 26.2 is a full. And so when I did the, I will never forget this. I was running with people who are my friends. They were runners. And I was finally like, you guys just go. I'll meet you at the end. I will finish. I just don't know when. And I hit the 16 mile mark. And I'm instead of celebrating, I just ran 16 miles. I thought, oh my goodness, I have 10.2 to go. Yeah. And so at that point, I started to, to mess with my mind and everything. But you know, there is something to underpreparing. You know, I was underprepared because I didn't put in specific mileage. I didn't follow anything. I figured, you know what, I can run. I, you know, I can run 10 miles. So what's another, you know, 
what's another 16? Um, you know, 16.2, that point two does make a huge difference. And so you don't want to leave that out, but, but I mean, in any sport and, and, and that's, what's hard is because it's very important when you're working with athletes or you're, you're preparing, even, you know, like if, if you're a mom and dad and you have kids that are in sports, there is something to overtraining and that repetitive movement and that repetitive stress that you're adding and something that, you know, is called overtraining syndrome can happen. And that, you know, and that's one thing we want to talk about because that definition is technically a condition that occurs when you're working out too much problem number one or too hard problem number two, without giving your body adequate rest that it's going to need. So, you know, especially when you're thinking with these, you know, elite athletes, they're training well beyond their body's ability at times, and they're pushing and pushing and pushing to be the best. But if you don't recover, then what ends up happening is you're going to break down. And literally, that can set you back anywhere, you know, because people are like, well, how do you know? Well, we'll talk about signs for sure. But if you have like, you know, if you have this syndrome or you overtrain too much, you can be out anywhere from four to six weeks and taking two to three months completely yeah. off because you were not smart in the in the um, beginning of your programming. I mean, that can that can be career ending, especially if you're at that level. Yeah. yeah. And definitely there, there are multiple signs that tell you, OK, you've been doing too much. Um and unfortunately, I ignored some of these signs when when I was training for that marathon. I, it's, I mean, more than just about, I mean, and, you know, one of the things that, you know, we, 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 we talked about earlier, Wendy, it's like, you know, every, every body is different, right? Mm -hmm. So some, some people might show signs sooner than later, or they, you know, it's, it's in different orders or of, of, of frequency, like somebody might feel like they're just feeling tired and fatigued and somebody might just have problems sleeping. So, you know, these are different things we need to listen to in our body. And unfortunately, it was just, you know, I didn't know any better. And unfortunately, it was just about more ignorance and lack of understanding my own body. Um, <laughs> yeah, I just I mean, you don't know, right? There's there's me if I'm talking to you, if you're my client, Wendy, and we're, we're talking about your training, you're describing these things. It's like, Hey, you know what? Maybe you should back off. Maybe we need to do some corrective exercise. Maybe we do, do these things. But of course, when it comes to your own body, you're just like, nah, that's, that's well, that, me. that was me. I mean, you know what? I'm, I'm young. I can do anything and, exactly. and nobody can yeah. stop me. And you know what? And I have the mentality when I commit to something, I want to be the best. And it doesn't matter if it's the best in my career. It doesn't matter if it's the best on the court or on the field. I want to be really good. And so when I am not, then I want to try harder because I have a specific goal in mind. Now, whether it's realistic or not, that's a totally different story. And so to your point, you know, you do need to listen to the signs. And so when you're thinking, well, and those of you guys that are just joining us and are trying to figure out what I'm talking about, <laughs> Ken Miller and myself, Wendy Bats on Random Fit today are talking about signs of overtraining. And again, you know, just looking in and listening to the interview we had last week and then talking about our own experiences, Ken and I were like, you know what, this would be a perfect podcast because it's so relatable. And you talked about fatigue and, you know, poor quality of sleep. I mean, those are two that were on the yeah. list that were like big, bold. And you saw constantly when you were looking at the different research on, on you know, things to, that are triggers. But one that I thought was actually pretty funny was tension depression, anger, or confusion. And I'm like, hmm. 
<laughs> I needed to make sure I showed that to Tony, which is my husband, just so he knew, hey, if I look like I'm a little not happy today, a little confused, and I'm always complaining about, you know, yeah. tension, um, you know, maybe it's a sign of overtraining and well, it's not what, what, that it's any other reason. One was at eight o'clock, one was at eight fifteen, <laughs> one was at eight forty-five. It's like what time and which symptom were you displaying? I know, right? Well, you know, he's looking at the calendar, by the way. I'm just talking like, hey, I, you know, we had a good, we had a good workout. <laughs> like, check, check. Yeah, yeah, check, check. But another one, too, is like you said, it's the lack of energy and like your, you know, decreased motivation and moodiness. I mean, those are really like lifestyle things that can happen when you are hitting the gym. You know, when you get done with the workout, can you know this? this is what we do for a living? You should feel like you actually have more energy each and every day. You're revitalized. You're moving better. You're feeling better. I mean, there's a difference between being sore. And we talked about that as well. But we're talking about just in general. And so if you notice that these are some of the signs that, that you are feeling in your lifestyle, again, not just in the gym, um, these are some signs that you could be overtraining. And it's important to reevaluate your programming. Now, it, you know, the, the funny thing, I don't know, Wendy, if, if you kind of thought about the, the list here, um, is that when you when you look again, all, all these points, right? When we talk about sleep, mood, um, ability to relax, you know, the, the funny thing in my mind is that sometimes these are symptoms of people that under that don't work out. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So when you notice like when you when your workouts haven't been really good, you don't sleep as well, you're, you're not as relaxed. Um you know, you just feel tired when you don't work out. But, you know, of course, you know, when you kind of flush things out. And so what have you been doing? Definitely the signs are going to be there. It's like, yeah, I'm working out, you know, I'm working out before work. I'm working out after work. And, you know, I tried a new workout routine. I'm going heavy and going hard. Or I tried this new class. And then that's when you can kind of decipher, um, you know, is it, are you feeling all these things because you haven't been working out or because you have, but in this case it is overtraining. But one of the things, Wendy, that I want to ask you is you, because you work with um, your professional athletes and, you know, for, for all that you offer um, your, your, your players, because they're coming off season, they're getting ready for another season. They're playing in one, you know, on one continent and they're going to try to play on, you know, on, on us soil. So how often are you seeing these things in in your players and your athletes, you know, when they have a chance to, to come to you? Well, and, and I mean, that's a great question. And, you know, and I feel like Kat Bearfield when I say, well, it just depends. I mean, because yeah. you said everybody is different. Um, right now we are getting um, a lot of the basketball players back because, you know, they're, if they didn't make it to the playoffs, they're coming back and they're trying to prepare. And there's something um, USA basketball is actually at the end of June. And so technically I have a month to prepare them to mm-hmm. fix what's broken because they come back and they're beat up. I mean, you know, think about, you know, the traveling whether, you know, it's state to state or like you said, country to country, um, you know, we're, it's pretty intense and pretty detailed. And then they're giving 110 percent on that on on the court. And so, you know, I think the biggest thing that we do when they first get back is we do like a recovery week. So they come in, I reevaluate everything. I look at everything. I try to find out what's overactive. What what are their nagging problems? Because they have been kind of overtrained because unfortunately some of these um, strength and conditioning coaches that they're working with, especially if they're not one of our USA basketball, but they're from a different country, they push and push and push and do a lot of Olympic lifting and, and, you know, they're in they're in season. And so, you know, it, sometimes everyone's got different methodologies mm-hmm. and ways of thinking. And so I think it's very important to try to, try to talk to them. How are they, how is their body feeling at that time? 
and I can't give them two months to recover. And so for me, it's like, okay, I, you know, we need to do some recovery, you know, use recovery tools and equipments like, you know, the Normatec boots, for example, or compression boots. And we do a lot of vibration, you know, therapy. I do a lot of manual work to realign joints. And then we start into more corrective to realign the body. And then we slowly start building a program because their skill and ability is there. And I think as a mom, it's hard you know, to try to make people understand, <laughs> yeah. especially when they have their kid that's doing travel ball and all of these things, yeah. they're not getting any downtime. And sometimes that A is going to make them not want to play the sport anymore. So that's first. But second of all, too, their bodies can only handle so much. And then they're coming to me because their shoulders blown or their knee hurts. And some of this could have been prevented because they just they need time, like downtime. Right. So it's a very long answer to a probably a very short question that you asked, but I think it's important to reevaluate how long have they been doing something, how many hours a day are they doing it, and then having the sit down heart to heart talk like we need to scale back or you're going to get to this point of not only burnout, but your body's going to blow out and it's not going to be a good thing. And so I think just communication and then just having the knowledge and talking through it makes them start to see that you know, oh, I do same, same leg, same arm, same thing. If you're golfing or you're turning the same way, you're throwing a baseball, it's the same side, same way, you know, mm -hmm. so you have to be smart and that's going to actually start bringing up the next thing that you and I are going to talk about, about, you know, how, what do you do in that situation? What's, what's the treatment, if you will, if that even makes sense. Yeah. I mean, and I was really curious and, and thanks for answering that, Wendy, because, you know, here we are on Random Fit talking about signs of overtraining uh, with myself, Ken Miller and Wendy Batts. And I think a very timely topic considering as as we are recording this, you know, we're heading into the summer. And one of the things that um, I'm going to be heading off to for at least a week is going and working with a summer league baseball team, which is a wood bat league for college college baseball players. But one of the things that I look at when working with these with these players is that they're coming off of their their season, right, which is the spring um, in collegiate collegiate baseball. But a lot of them have been doing, you know, conditioning and playing in the fall as well. Right. And with with my high school kids, you know, if they're doing travel ball, um, they just got pl done playing, you know, um, you know, their, their high school season, and now they're ready to do more travel ball over the summer. So a lot of these things are just, um, you know, for, for at your level with, with basketball at the professional level, or, or when it comes to even high school and junior high, unfortunately, overtraining is one of those things that you, you kind of have to, if you're, if you're working with somebody, or if you, if you have kids that do year round sport, and I'm not just talking about playing one sport in the fall, one sport in the spring, one sport one sport in the summer i wish it was still that way right. but now <clears throat> now that you have fall spring and summer versions of whatever one singular sport that they're playing um we just have to be whether you're a parent like we are or if you're a coach or if you're a personal trainer or strength coach these are the things that you know we need to be able to recognize as far as overtraining and unfortunately for 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 selfish reasons in some some instances it's like uh you know you, you have the attitude uh, you know he's young like you said wendy like the body's young it's resilient you'll get over it you'll get through it you just got to get through this little dip and you know you'll come out on the other side even stronger which is the opposite of what the body means 
Yeah. And, and, you know, we've talked about this before too, Ken. I mean, you know, when you're looking at some of the research that we've seen, you know, obviously you want, especially if you have kids that are growing up in sport, I think it's phenomenal because again, you want them to, to have that team, you know, um, you know, team building and, and really working on the relationship of how to, you know, play the sport, be active, learn to rotate, build power, endurance, be a team player, listen to your coaches and stuff. All of that's important. But if you think about this, we talked about this and we've seen it, that you really should be multi-sport until at least the ages of yeah. 15, 16, because your body is still growing, it's still adaptive, and that repetitive movement can lead to overtraining. And then when you get to the, you know, the elite level, we're going to see more and more breakdowns because they were, you know, they didn't start putting, and you know this, they didn't start putting a pitch count on professional pitchers or even in high school until just, a, you know, not that long ago. And so, you know, you right. can have kids that are constantly throwing day, night, you know, multiple, yeah. you know, on like on the practice field, in practice, they go to their training, you know, their trainer, their trainers having them do the same mechanics. And it was, it was not beneficial. So I love the fact that they're starting to look at all of this all together, like pitch counts and different movements. But, you know, when we're thinking about, you know, looking at ways to do that, one of the number one ways is to do cross training. And so, you know, first and foremost, especially with my basketball people, when they came back or even with any of, with any of them, I tell them, you know what, when you're, when you're coming back from the season, take one, one week off and spend it with your family. I don't want to see you. I don't want to hear from you. I just want you to just be you. And, and that's one of the things that it says, that's a really good sign that somebody is literally going to rest their body at least one good week before you start implementing the right process. But I think right. also too, when they do come to you and you're working with them, or if you're working with your kids, or if you're working out together as a family, do different things because don't do anything that's going to mimic that sport. Sometimes that's going to not be beneficial. It could be detrimental. And I think that's hard for people to understand. I'm always doing things in a forward position, start doing more things in a backward position to realign your body. So therefore it's going to work in better harmony. Yeah. And I think even, even taking a different perspective on that, it's, um, <clears throat> you know, doing something like, um, you know, you have hand-eye coordination, right? Catching and throwing and looking at things like that, but also implementing different sports or activities like soccer right now. It's, it's, um, I foot coordination, right? Or things that you do on land versus in the water, which is, you know, one of the things that we do is we we definitely keep our kids in the pool. You know, they're doing the club swim. <clears throat> My daughter's playing water polo, but we still want to emphasize are there other interests, things that, you know, that come in seasonally in their lives, uh, which is, you know, basketball and baseball, you know, just to keep their, you know, keep their minds, um, you know, working in different ways. And, and I think that's the other thing we have to look at is just mentally, um, you know, can they, you know, from a, from a, from a thought process standpoint, you know, if you're playing soccer, you know, there's a certain amount of people on the field, there's a certain field of vision that you need to keep. If it's baseball, there's a certain dimension to the field. Strategy is going to be different. Um, basketball, definitely the same thing. But if, if we get them challenged both, well, mentally as well as physically because we can't we can't kind of we can't separate the two right that's it's all one and the same so we challenge the mind differently we challenge the body differently that keeps their interest there versus you know and i'm sure you're seeing it too wendy where kids are burning out by high school like I know. their freshman year they've been playing six years of baseball already 
And unfortunately, you know, that sometimes, you know, it's like they got the elbow stress and they're like, you know, my kid can't throw anymore. It's like, well, you've been, <clears throat> you've been hammering, you know, the, the change up, the fastball and the curveball for the last five, six years, they have a bum elbow. And now they're just like, you know what? I'm good. I'm tired of being hurt, unfortunately. Yes. Or, you know, now, you know, I've actually heard and, and I work a lot of um, with some some high school kids that are getting ready to go to college. And, yep. you know, one of the things that I heard the other day on the table was like, yeah, I just had a buddy that went through Tommy John surgery, which is a right. reconstruction of the elbow. Um, he is a pitcher and he's been playing, you know, since you know, he was really, really young. And I was like, oh my goodness, did he have any issues? And he said, no, that was an elective surgery because he wants right. to make sure that his elbow will hold up and he'd rather do it now than if he has a chance to do well in high school and go off to um, major, you know, the major leagues. Now this kid is phenomenal and I'll give him that, but you know, now that the parents are saying that that's okay for some of these electric, uh, you know, um, elective surgeries is it just, I mean, it, it, to me, I was just, I was, I didn't even know how to respond or what to say. So I said nothing, believe it or not, Kent, I said nothing. You, you, um, you held was, your tongue when I was oh pretty my. proud of myself. <laughs> and, <laughs> and those of you guys that are joining Ken Miller and myself, Wendy Bats today on random fit, we're talking about signs of overtraining. And so, you know, just, if you're just joining us, just as a recap, some of the things to really think about is if you start to overtrain, you could actually be taking or have been forced to take two to three months off of what you're currently doing. So, you know, ways to avoid that is if you start to look within your lifestyle and yourself and you see that you have fatigue, you're decreasing, like your performance just isn't there. You're starting to feel like tension and moodiness and, you know, anger, or you have problems relaxing, poor quality of sleep. These are some telltale signs that you want to reevaluate your programming. And so some of the ways to, to kind of treat that um, we talked about it, you know, give yourself, um, you know, some time to rest and recover, take a week or two off from whatever you're doing. If you notice these things, because it's not going to set you back that far in comparison to what it could be long-term. We've talked about cross training, adding different things into your workouts. We've talked about, you know, different, um, different ways of looking at, you know, what you're doing with your, 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 um, yourself or your, your children, if you're, you know, looking at sport. But I think one other important one, too, that we could talk about is hydration. You know, if you yeah. think about hydration itself, we all know, you know, we're made up of water. We need to drink water. But, you know, the thing is, is staying you know, properly hydrated. It's going to help your recovery, but it's also going to help, you know, with your treatment plan. So if you do have these signs and you know that you've overtrained, you have to give yourself time to recover and drink plenty of fluids. So therefore, your body has a chance to flush itself out and, you know. Most people are walking around dehydrated and don't even know. <clears throat> they don't. They don't. I mean, by the time you feel like you're thirsty, you're already, what, 2% dehydrated? Um, and so you're already behind the ball by the time you, you feel thirsty, right? So, <laughs> uh, unfortunately, and again, as we're, as we're getting into the summer months, as of this recording, it, it is one of those, you know, behaviors that we need to start to incorporate, you know, carry your water bottle around you, start your day with, um, you know, at least, you know, a, a nice 12 ounces of water just to start your day, uh, mm -hmm. planning for, you know, you gotta, gotta look at the weather report. You know, I'm looking outside right now. It's, it's good 15 degrees cooler than it was two days ago. So do I need to hydrate as much? Well, I still need to keep it in mind, but it's not as much as a, of a concern as it was two days ago when we were in the high 80s. So 
<clears throat> hydration is is a big part of it because when you're dehydrated, that does affect that that will affect performance, taking away from strength and power, as well as endurance. So that if you are uh, performing your activity, whether it be basketball or baseball, you're going to work that much harder on the field or on the court when you're dehydrated. So not only is it about a recovery um, aspect of, of training, but also when it comes to performance, so if, if, you, if you're not getting away from your sport or you're reducing or modifying your role in your sport, so maybe you're not pitching that day, you're playing first base, um, <clears throat> you know, just make sure that you are still paying attention to the amount of fluids that you are taking in as you're, as you're saying, Wendy, because when you're dehydrated, your body is working harder, which is now it's like you're working 10 times harder, you're 10 times more stress just by the fact that you didn't drink enough water. And that, and, and, you know, you also have to look at your diet. I mean, you know, we're talking a lot about playing sports, but this could even be in the gym. I mean, if you're hitting the weights really, really hard and, you know, some people are doing these two a days and then they want to go out and do some cardio because, you know, you only have certain days in your calendar week that allow you to do your workout and you feel like you're doing this. And then you're like, Oh, I've got to, I can squeeze in this time and Oh, I can do it this next day. And, um, you know, think about when you're looking at sports nutrition and if, especially if, you call, I think everyone, Marty and I, I say this all the time, everybody is technically an athlete. It just, to what level, but you know, you want to make sure that you're getting enough protein and enough carbohydrates for you. And again, you know, what is that number? I'm, I'm not the person that, to, to give you those figures, but you know, you can talk to a, to an RD, you can, you know, kind of look up research about what it is that you do every day. You can talk to people that are out there that can help you with a diet plan if that's it. But you know, if you're, like thinking about sports, um, you know, recovery, it's really important that you do have both and carbs are going to be extremely important. Carbs get a bad rap, but remember that's a really, um, important, um, source of energy for you to use. And so that's going to be really important when you're looking at your endurance athletes. Um, and then protein is going to be really important for those athletes yeah. that, you know, are looking and relying on trying to get stronger and more powerful. And so, again, these are little things to think about, too. You know, are you eating the right thing? And like you said, are you drinking enough fluids? Because those go hand in hand. What you put in your body is going to just like gasoline with a car. You've got to put the right clean gasoline in in order to have the highest level of performance for that particular vehicle. If you're putting just, you know, alcohol yeah, and sugar in there, you're probably not <laughs> going to get the best out, outcome. So, you know, just think about yeah. that. Well, I mean, and that does take planning, especially when, um, you know, if you are looking at over, you know, the fact that you are overtraining, but you're still involved with sport, which again, if, if I'm a parent, I'm, I'm paying good money for my, for my kids to be a part of a, a club team. Yeah, we're going to train, but we're going to, we're going to modify how intense and we modulate, you know, the, the interventions that we use to keep you on the, on the field. But if you start to notice those signs that you talked about, Wendy, um, you know, ideally uh, you give your body the rest. Um, but the other thing is, you know, if you're, if you're not going to get away from the sport, you have to modify, take some of the stress off of the body. And again, nutrition does play a big part because I, I know, um, you know, being a parent and having friends that have kids going to these three day tournaments and the, the next closest thing that they can get to is, a, you know, as a fast food restaurant, <laughs> uh, <clears throat> <laughs> not naming not naming any names but you know the closest thing you think you you go to is fast food right and it's mm -hmm. like 
uh, hey, you have you have a game in in, in an hour, but uh, shoot, I we underpacked our bananas, our you know, our, our fruit, and then our sandwiches and all that. But you know, sometimes the choices aren't the best. But that's where planning definitely comes into play. So it's one thing to know what to eat, when to eat it, but the preparation for these tournaments, because you know. Uh, I know a lot of people that they've invested in the the nice coolers that, you know, they'll keep something, they'll keep the things cold for like five days in their trunk. You know, just don't open it. Don't open it more than you have to. You know, let all the cold out. Well, and my, you know, my cousins do that. They travel and they have, you yeah. know, three kids that are in sports. They're all in travel ball. They're playing at high levels. One's getting ready to play um, in college and everything. And and they pack their food. And I'm like, why would you do that? Why don't, why don't you just grab stuff? It's, and they're like, well, financially, it's crazy. And they're like, and then on top of that, to your point, it's like, what am I going to grab in an hour, hour and a half? And, you know, if they're starting to bonk on the field, I need to be able to provide something that's going to help them versus having to run up to what the concession stand to buy them fries or popcorn, you know, so they, you know, I mean, that is really important. And I mean, I think, I mean, we could go on and on, but the other two that I kind of wanted to to touch on and I, and they were highlighted a lot in a bunch of the different research that we found um, and, and to me, like I said, they go hand in hand would be, you know, getting a sports massage um, was one yeah. of them, because, again, that will help with the the doms that we talked about. And another one of our podcasts when we're talking about muscle soreness and remember, that stands for the delayed onset of muscle soreness, basically. So when you're thinking about that, we're trying to reduce that. And sports massages can help and they don't have to be the deep tissue you want to be able to relax and sometimes the softer Swedish massages are what the body needs in order to flush things through your lymphatic system. Sometimes people like myself, I like, you know, I like an elbow in there to try to relax muscles that seem to be really tight and angry. <laughs> and, um, yeah. you know, so you're going to have to figure out what massage is going to work best for you. But the big thing too, that I read about, like I said, when they go hand in hand is relaxation techniques. And Ken, I'm going to hand that to you because I know you are you are the one that talks about earthing, and you go out and you. I'm the one. Um, I I have a problem with with that. I have a really hard time relaxing. That's just not in my nature. And for me to do it, I think I'm going to have to go get therapy to learn how to relax. That's yeah. just not my thing. Um, yeah. So I'm going to let you talk us through well, that. Part. Well, you know, when it when it comes to relaxation, to, I mean, it's as simple as just laying there, elevating your feet. And, you know, you can put one hand on your chest, one hand on your belly, and you're just going to, you know, breathe in and watch your sequencing. And, you know, with one hand on my chest, one hand on my on my belly, you know, I'm just going to look at, okay, does my belly distend? Does it rise first or does my chest rise first? And and here we want to look at, you know, are you using your deep core muscles? And one of the big ones that's involved with breathing is your diaphragm. So when your belly distends, that's your diaphragm pushing your guts down and forcing everything else outward. And then secondarily, now we have the space to expand and our lungs just grow within our rib cage. So you're just going to watch for sequencing slow, deep breaths. Again, if you're doing something to where you're four seconds in, five seconds out, when you have a longer exhale than you have an inhale, that's going to promote that that uh, relaxation response, right? So again, part of putting stress into your body that we have to consider is taking stress out. So first things first, you know, looking at, you know, mentally, what are we doing to downregulate you, get your mind to calm down first, and then we can 
then we can think about the body following what the mind is is leading in, in the way of relaxing. So it's hard to relax muscles. Like, I mean, when the just emotionally, you know, if, if you get riled up, right, where do you, where, where does your tension go for a lot of people? It's in the neck. So, and that's all mental, right? So if, if you start, if you're one of those at, you know, five o'clock in the afternoon, you're like, man, my shoulder and my neck, it's all tense. Some people it's going to show in their low back, but relaxation techniques is just one way to get the body to relax. So if you're in the midst of it all in your, in your sport and athletic season, um, some ways to interject, you know, that, that de-stressing, that relaxation, countering the stress and the tension that's in your muscle is, is relaxation techniques. And that could be, you know, watching a comedy that could be, uh, just going outside, communing with nature, laying on the grass, taking off your shoes and all that good stuff. You know, not so basically to, not, what you're yeah. saying is because I'm struggling, I'm just a head case is what you're saying. I'm not saying that at all. I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm and just saying people that might get stressed out might need a little yes. bit of breathing technique. You know, yes, so. um, <laughs> and as of you guys said, I've joined Ken Miller and I on random fit this week. We were talking about signs of overtraining guys look within yourself. And if you start to notice that you're tired, that you're losing your energy, you're having trouble sleeping, you're becoming moody, you know, think about some of the techniques that we just discussed. And so again, just as a recap, look at rest and recovery, take some time off. Think about what we just talked about, which was the relaxation techniques, which, again, I need to focus on personally. Sports massages, you know, going and, and any kind of massage that's going to help you relax, try to get your muscles in a better position and realignment is always going to be good. If you want to go back to the gym and you have a hard time not accepting that you are not supposed to be going in there, think about some cross training look at your nutrition, look at your hydration. And I think if you kind of, you know, this is just basically how you should live your life in general, like when you're looking at a healthy lifestyle, but just be careful, look for these signs of overtraining and, you know, and Ken, I mean, I enjoyed today because I thought it came at a really good time. And, and I like the fact too, that we got these comments from our listeners. And so again, I just want to say thank you for reaching out to us letting us know what you want us to talk about because we're here to help you and we want to inspire yeah. you to live a healthier lifestyle. And so when we know what you want to hear, that really, um, it means a lot. Yeah. And when it overtraining, it's just a lot of people don't recognize it until you tell them, right? <laughs> sometimes, well, sometimes you got to be a mirror. So if you're listening to this and, and you're not a personal trainer, but you see, you, you hear somebody talking about their lack of sleep, their fatigue, a general feeling of malaise, whatever that that sign or symptom is that they're overtraining, it's like, hey, you know what, you know, maybe you should take a day off. You know, take take a couple of days off. Maybe you should try this yoga class, or um, you know, let's let's go to the pool. Let's swim around for a little bit. Let's kind of unload and and you know, just do something different with our bodies. So uh, I think you know, it, you just gotta listen to your body. And I think we're so you know, ingrained in technology these days and, and we are stressed and we, we're, you know, we're surrounded by a lot of stimulus that we, we oftentimes do not look inward. And when you, when you have a chance to do that and you see some of these signs, you know, take some of these steps, try different things, different times of day to varying degrees. Again, nutrition is going to be very personal. Sleep is going to be very, very personal. Um, De-stressing, relaxation is going to be very personal. So try different things, research more. Again, we do these podcasts just to kind of highlight some of the things that are out there. 
um, in in the fitness industry randomly. So hopefully you'll you'll take some of this information, do some more research for yourself, and see what works for you. Because you know sometimes the the smallest the the it might seem like a small thing, but it might mean big results for you in the long term. So Wendy, thank you again for everything that you had to share your insights. As I always learn a lot from our from our time together here on Random Fit. So for this episode of Random Fit, thanks everybody for listening to this topic of watching the signs and symptoms of overtraining. So hopefully you got something out of it. If you want to hear something more, you want to hear other things regarding fitness and how we can enhance your lifestyle and wellness, let us know by like, following, and subscribing. And more importantly, commenting. Let us know what you guys want to hear. Um, And until next time, take care, everybody, and be well.